when I was just out of high school, I thought I got a new truck. And when I say new, it wasn't new to me. It was actually new. I got to drive it off the lot. And I learned this lesson that many of you have probably learned too, that new things don't stay new forever. Y'all ever experienced that? You moved into a new house? It didn't stay new forever, did it? Your new cars don't stay new forever. Your new relationships don't stay new forever. New things don't stay new forever. They need to be maintained in order to keep them up and to keep them in working order, keep them going the way that they're supposed to go. And as we open up to Jude and as we continue looking at our life through the framework of rebuilding, either uh, rebuilding our lives or rebuilding relationships or rebuilding our witness, whatever we're rebuilding in our life, um, we come to the place now after we've seen the foundation and, and the building materials and, and, and after we've looked at the blueprints of what our life is to be about this morning, we look at maintenance and keeping our what we have rebuilt, keeping that functioning the way that it needs to function. So we do find in Jude, Jude is now writing this very short letter in which he says in the beginning that he wanted to write to them to encourage them in their common salvation but he saw that something was more pressing. Something he had come, that had come to his attention was more important than talking to them about their common salvation. And it was the fact that this body of believers that Jude was writing to had been infiltrated by a group of false teachers. And they had, in verse 4, they had crept in unaware and had started sowing seeds of discord, deceit. And they were wreaking havoc on this body of believers. So Jude is writing to them, to remind them and to, to really pull back the cloth and to show them what the false teachers look like, he concludes in verse 20. This is what he concludes to the believers in verse 20. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion who are doubting, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And he concludes with this great doxology. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen, he says. In this passage, we have to remember this in regards to maintenance. And it's that maintenance happens because of decay. Maintenance is something that has to happen. I had to maintain my car. I had to keep my car maintained because in the event that I didn't, it was going to run, it was going to break down. Things were going to fall apart. There were pieces that we're no longer going to work. And it's because of decay. The same thing is true with our homes. If we don't maintain our homes, if we don't maintain our building, it's going to decay over time because the things, the vessels that we build these things with are going to fall apart. And, and as we looked at the building materials that we build, we're called to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. Four things this morning that I want us to look at. So for those of you that have a relationship with Christ right now, you are, you are 100% certain that you have a personal, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I really hope 
you will jot down these four things this morning. I hope that you will jot down these four points that we're going to have up here because Jude is sharing with those believers how to maintain a strong life of faith in the midst of having such decay in these teachers around them. The first one he says, notice, by the way, notice the first word, or at least in my translation, the first word of verse 20. What is it? Yeah, but you, beloved. I just want to take one quick second and say this. I, I have to be able to just touch on this one little thing. Jude is concluding this letter by saying, but you, beloved. He's now drawing a distinction between the believers that he's talking to and the non-believers that he was talking about. It's understood in verse 20 that there is a distinction between who he is now talking to and who he was previously talking about. He calls them, he calls them apostates earlier. He says that they do not have the Spirit. So he's described their character, he's described their activity, and he's described their outcome. To the believers, when he turns to those whose ear he has penned this letter for, he says, but you, showing that sharp distinction between those without Christ and those with Christ. And I say this without any shame that we as believers also should have a sharp distinction between us and a lost world. I saw one of the coolest bumper stickers the other day. It was a lady that was driving here in Joplin. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she got the bumper sticker. But it is one of the coolest ones I've ever seen. It said, I am a Christian. Expect me to act like one. I am a Christian. Expect me to act like one so in this it's almost like jude had seen that bumper sticker before she had he was saying this is how apostates act this is how those without the spirit this is how those who are not born again this is how an unregenerated people act but you brethren but you beloved i hope in our life there is such a sharp distinct contrast between the way we as a people of faith live and the way a people of the, of the world that do not know Christ live. Notice the first thing he says in regards to maintenance. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now I know that that is a portion of a verse, but I do want to look at the very first part of that verse 20. He says, Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. No doubt, as you read this short epistle, that Jude knows that the audience that he's writing to, that body of believers, he knows they're saved. And what Jude is saying to them in the midst of all of these false teachers who have crept in and, and, and sought to sow seeds of discourse try to tear down that local assembly of believers and do their best to, to destroy it, Jude is saying that they're doing that. They're tearing down. But brothers, this is what I want you to do. This is what you need to be about. This is how you need to maintain your walk. 
Do you know what their most holy faith was? Their most holy faith ultimately is the same foundation that we have been talking about. Their most holy faith is what the apostles said last week in regards to the materials that we use. He said that the foundation is Jesus Christ. And no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. What he is telling them, and I believe the message for us also in maintaining this life that we are rebuilding is this, to build ourselves up, to build up, stack up, build up on, from, upon our faith in Jesus Christ. To take that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and apply His teachings. Remember, to hear those sayings and to do them as a wise master and a wise man. Take those sayings, take those teachings, implement them into our lives. Do what the Bible says. Do what Jesus said. And in doing that, we're going to be able to make these building blocks grow from that foundation. We're not called to grow from Jesus. We're called to grow with Jesus. We build on that foundation. I think it's an interesting choice of words. In fact, I think it could not be a more perfect choice of words that Jude uses when he says building yourselves up. Because you often hear me from the pulpit talking about growing in Christ. You understood that you know what as believers we're supposed to grow. Many descriptions of us growing as plants or branches. There are many illustrations in the New Testament in regards to us growing and bearing fruit. There are illustrations of us growing from babes in Christ to mature people in Christ. But notice the difference in the wording. He's not saying grow. He's saying build. And maybe you might say that I'm splitting hairs or that this is simply just semantics and I should move on. But let me remind you of one of the basic elements of growth. Growth is a natural product of life. If it has life, it grows. Now, the growth span may be short. You may grow in different ways, but everything that has life grows. When it's dead, it stops growing. And Jude isn't saying, grow, brethren, on your most holy faith. He's saying, build yourselves up. If growth is a natural byproduct of life, building requires effort from our life, wisdom as we use principles, and application as we integrate them into our life. So he's not simply saying just sit back and allow that work of the Holy Spirit to take effect and grow. He's saying build. Between growing and building. You see... My sons are alive. They grow. But we also strive to give them exercise and to feed them the right things. They have to eat the right things. That's effort. They need to eat the right things. They need to be involved in the right type of activity. We hear the word grow and we think that it's just naturally going to happen when in actuality there's effort involved in our Christian growth. Jude says you want to maintain your life? You want to check, you want to, you, want to, you want to know that amidst all these destructions, you want to know what your role is, he says? It's to build yourself up. Feast on the nourishment of God's Word. 
exercise and the activity that faith requires for us to build and to grow and to further develop into mature believers in Jesus Christ. Take that foundation. So the first part of the maintenance is to build. Build up. Develop that relationship with Jesus Christ. Secondly, he says praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now I think that this is something that we can just pause for a moment. Because initially when we read this verse and we see him say pray in the Spirit, we may think, okay, no, wait, what is that? Is that some type of super spiritual prayer that I'm not familiar with? Is this praying in some kind of tongue that I'm not aware of? Is that what this means? The great thing, one of the most important things in interpreting the Scripture is remembering the context in which it is written. Just before the verse that we started, verse 19, in describing the false teachers, one of the ways in which Jude describes them is this, that they have not the what? They have not the Spirit. So in verse 20, as he's making that distinction, verse 19 says they have not the Spirit, which is an indication, which is a reality that they are not saved. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. He's saying, live out that evidence that you have that Spirit living within you, just as those false teachers don't. Just as there is no evidence of the Spirit living in them. That they have not the Spirit. In your life, you should give bear witness to the manifestation of the Spirit. Spirit working in and through, especially, your prayer life. We don't just look at the context in which it was written, but we also need to look at the context of time. At this moment when Jude is writing, they did not have the Bible as we do. They did not have the New Testament. They, they could not go to God's words distinctly for direction. Everything they were getting was handed down from Jesus through the disciples to the apostles and ultimately to them. So when he's talking about praying in the Spirit, he's talking about being sensitive to the promptings and the guiding of the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. As the Spirit prompts you, as the Spirit guides you, as the Spirit leads you, you need to be in tune. It's told us that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. That the Spirit will use the Word of God to guide and to convict and to direct our lives. When I think of maintenance, Let's just take a moment. Let's, let's pull into God's garage for a minute and, and pop the hood on our lives for just one second. Because I want to ask you a quick question. If in these first two things that we've looked at, if we, look, if we are really honest with ourselves this morning, and the very first one that we look at is building ourselves up on our most holy faith, growing in a knowledge and activity of the Right now, if you're being really honest with yourselves, would that maintenance light go on in your heart? Right now, if you're, if you're asking yourself, am I building myself up 
My most holy faith. Remember, it's a personal responsibility. You build yourselves up. And if that's the case, and you ask yourself that, am I building myself up on my most holy faith? Am I, am I feeding? In a, am I, do I have a diet of the Word of God? Am I doing what the Word says? Am I building? Am I, am I maturing? Am I a different person this week than I was last week? Am I, am I a different person this month than I was last month? Or there's some maintenance that needs to be done. Let me ask you a real quick question. Second thing is, where's your prayer life? Where is your prayer life? Would you consider your prayer life to be intense? Would you consider your prayer life to be very real, very deep? I want to share with you just a couple quotes from a man who knew what prayer was. E.M. Bounds literally wrote the book on prayer. He says we can never know God as it is our You see, he told him to build up. Because it brought fortification. To build themselves up on their most holy faith would mean that they're not going to fall for all of these false teachings that the, that the false teachers were bringing. They're not going to stumble at things that others stumbled because they were built up. So if you're thinking about building up, it's your fortification. If you're thinking about your praying, it deals with your connection. Move with me, please, to this third, third element of our maintenance. He says in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? In unpacking what Jude is saying, let's determine what he's not saying. First, he's not saying this. Keep yourself in love with God. He's not saying keep yourself in love with God. No doubt, as people who are citizens of heaven and live down here with that dual citizenship that we have, it's very difficult sometimes to continue to have a fervent love for Jesus Christ. Our flesh fails. Our temptation, we are, we are greatly tempted down here in this world. And there are often things that can try to detract us from committing our lives and our love relationship with Christ. And what Jude is saying is not keep yourselves in love with God. It's not what he's saying. And he's not suggesting that, if we, that we can step out of God's love as believers. We know that His love is eternal. We know that He loved me before I was His child. We know that His love for me is not works-based. How many of you that have children would tell them that if you do that, I'm no longer going to love you. You may draw lines in the sand. You may give them ultimatums, but you would never, as a parent, truly who loves their child, the offspring, you would never ever make that line in the sand to say, if you do this, I will stop loving you. Nor does God. His love for us is not a works-based or righteousness-based love. He loved me before I was His. He loves me now as His. He loves me when I do good and He loves me when I mess up. His love is un.
your child wants to go out and play. And you tell them to stay in the sunshine. Think about this in regards to what Judah's saying. Hawkins is going to go outside and play, and I'm going to say, Hawkins, stay in the sunshine. It means don't get in the shade. Stay in the sunshine. You know what the funny thing is? The sunshine is there whether he stands in it or not. In fact, even if he stands in the shade, if he chooses to disobey me and stand in the shade, there's still sunlight there. Self in love with God. Jude is not saying keep God in love with you. What Jude is saying is that God's love is here. God's love is there. And be sure that as you're living, be sure that as you're doing life, be sure that as you're going through your days, you stand right in the middle of His love. Experience His love. That's what Jude is saying. Keep yourself in the love of God, live with the constant recognition and the, the best of your ability and understanding. Live, if you will, in a perpetual awe of His love. You've probably run into people who were not keeping themselves in the love of God. God still loved them. It didn't change things. But they were in a place in their life where they were living in the shade rather than living in the light of His love. It was there. God's love for me is not dependent upon me understanding it. His love for me transcends my ability to understand it. It's there. It's my job. No, no. It's my privilege to wake up in the morning and allow my first thought to be the depth of God's love. It is my privilege to go through the day and to consider the width of His love and the height of His love. It is my privilege in life to keep myself in the love of God. If building myself up on my most holy faith is fortification... And if praying in the Holy Spirit is connection, then I want you to think about what keeping yourself in the love of God is. It is two things. One, it is our action. When I am keeping myself in the love of God, I'm aware, I understand His love to the best of my ability. And it's not something I'm simply taking in, but it's something that I'm doing. When I am keeping myself in the love of God, I am expressing and demonstrating that love, but it is more than an action. It's a motivation. When I am keeping myself in the love of God, when I'm living not in the shade, but in the sunlight of the love of God, it is changing the motivation, the reason, the intention for why I Judah's saying there are three lights right now on your dash. One is growing and building. One is developing. The second one is praying. Deepen, have a dynamic, intense, personal relationship with Christ that is sensitive to the leadership of His Holy Spirit and His Word. And thirdly, keep yourself in the love 
of God. It's a personal responsibility. It's not my responsibility to keep you in the love of God. It's not Jason's responsibility to keep you in the love of God. It's the individual responsibility to keep yourself in the love of God. Jesus said in John 15.9 to His disciples, continue in my love. The Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he said that this type of love is a compelling love. The love of Christ constrains us, he said. When we keep ourselves in the love of God, I believe we are also compelled to be about His service. And I want to bring you down to the fourth and final possible light that can show up on the dashboard of our life. He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude, throughout this short epistle, has made several comments to the return of Christ. And he's speaking about using terms like last days, perilous times. He's using these descriptions because... He is communicating to these people that he believed that it was just a short amount of time before they were going to behold Jesus. And even though what was true back then is even more true for us today as the day draweth nigh, the principle of what Jude is saying is the fourth and final part of this maintenance for our life. First, build up. Second, pray in the Holy Spirit. Third, is to continue to keep yourself in the love of God. But fourthly, Fourthly, notice carefully, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What he's referring to is not, well, look for when you get saved. It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a mercy that accompanies salvation in that He's not saying keep looking because if you do these things then you might get eternal life. It's not what he's saying. He's saying look for that time when you are spending eternity with Christ. Oh, be it through your death and you go to be with Him immediately or if He comes. Either way, he's saying keep the end in mind. Keep looking. Look for. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes forward. Don't just build up. Don't just pray in. Don't just keep yourself in the love of God. But keep looking for. Keep your eyes focused on eternity. Keep investing in eternity. As we looked at last week, the maintenance or the materials that we use on our house. To know that when I'm building, when I'm doing life, when I'm living by the principles, am I doing it for the right reason? Because the Bible says there's coming a day where we will have to stand and give an account of how we built and what we built with. And as believers, what he's saying is look forward to that day when you're with Christ in eternity up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth does not destroy and rust corrupt 
and where a thief does not break in. All of the temptation, amidst all of the false teaching, amidst all of the things that can tear you down or destroy you, maintain your life in Christ. And do it by growing, building. Do it by praying. Have an intimate, close connection with God through prayer. Keep yourself in the love of God, which is our motivation and the action of our life. And fourth, and finally, he said in verse 21 that we are to look for Him, which is truly our focus or our attention. If we keep our focus and attention on Him and on eternity, we are less likely to fall for the all for the temptation of that which is momentary and temporal. And I just want to ask as we consider these four things, building ourselves up, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God, and ultimately, keeping our eyes focused on eternity. How are we doing in that right now? we're really, really still and really, really quiet, I'm going to ask you if you would, just with me for a moment, I want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you, would you just close your eyes for just one moment? I know Jesus looked up to heaven when He prayed, and I'm just asking you to close your eyes, not out of but because sometimes it helps us to remove the distractions. And I want to ask you just if we're going to be really honest between you and God. Does our life need maintenance right now? Does our, is God flashing that check engine light? That check heart light in our life? I know that's cheesy, guys. But is that what's going on? Is God saying, hey, you're not growing. You're not building. You've taken my salvation. You're a Christian in name only. There's no development. What's our prayer life? Is it, in, is it deepening? Is it intense? Are we sensitive to the things that God's sensitive about? Because if not, you know what we need?